Hello and welcome to a very special Special Empire podcast featuring a member of podcast royalty in the form of the one and only Adam Buxton. Best known for his phenomenally popular BBC Six music radio show with Attack the Block director Joe Cornish, as well as his late night Channel 4 TV show from about 10 years ago, he's now hosting his own Sky Atlantic TV series called Bug. Centering around the world's best music videos and the insane YouTube comments beneath them, it's utterly wonderfully mad and well worth hunting down. Just so you know, the first 10 minutes of this interview can also be heard on this week's main podcast, but the rest is 100% original, solid gold, brand new Dr. Buckles. Enjoy! Welcome to the pod booth, one Mr. Adam Buxton. It's a pleasure to have you, sir. Hey, how you doing? Nice to be here. I, I love uh, rooms and microphones, <laughs> so this for me is like a kind of amazing holiday. <laughs> You're surrounded by microphones at the moment. It's amazing. We've got four. We've got an extra microphone in just for you. And if there's one thing I love more than rooms and microphones, it's guys. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's four, counting me, four guys in this microphone room. So this, folks, is one of the best days of my life. <laughs> we may never leave when was the last time you were in a recording studio radio type room of men oh <laughs> man it must have been uh, this morning I was talking to Sean Keaveney on Six Music and it was nice to be back nice to be back at Six Music the nation's favourite digital channel playing great alternative music all the time uh, I miss it there you know I haven't been me and Joe did our last six music show in uh, summer of 2011 mm-hmm. and since then that's been it for me in radio and I really miss it has Bug been a, a decent enough salve for your pain? Oh, man, it's a salve that does all kinds of salve jobs. Uh, it's good for pain. It's good for sexual tension. Uh, <laughs> it's good for all kinds of things. It can help marriages. It can pay for uh, clothes. <laughs> and, I mean, it's been a very important salve for all my ills for about uh, nearly... It's a long time. I mean... Yeah, five years now. We've been doing the live version at the BFI South Bank for, and continue to do it for uh, five years. We've done it. Every two months we have a new show and then we'll do uh, three shows of that new show, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll do the show three times with slight variations. And now suddenly, they, you know, everything came together and um, after years of thinking that it would be a show that would work on TV, but no one would ever... <laughs> really um, believe that Sky just came along to some of the shows we did in Edinburgh last year or the year before and they suddenly agreed with us and bongo uh, six months later there we are in high definition with my stupid face <laughs> in disturbingly clear um, vision there for uh, people who have paid Rupert Murdoch for the pleasure <laughs> for people who haven't seen the show yet on Sky Atlantic or who haven't been to one of the live shows can you briefly explain the concept behind Bug and where it came from yeah well Bug is it's a show that I was invited to present live at the uh, British Film Institute on, on the South Bank um Back in 2005, there used to be a show called Antenna that they did at the BFI that I went along to with my friend Garth Jennings, mm-hmm. who's a uh, he directed Son of Rambo and uh, uh, the Hitchhikers film and uh, many wonderful music videos. And Garth was being interviewed along with Spike Jones at uh, Antenna one time, and he said, "Oh, come along, you know, it's really fun and you'll enjoy it." It was it totally blew my mind. I'd never been to a thing like that, showing music videos, and I forgot how much I loved that media you know doesn't outstay it's welcome so many different ideas and uh, you know young directors with 
time and and, and uh, energy to actually try out all these things for no real reason just for the love of it and, and maybe as a calling card you know so you just get these explosions of creativity in these short films and I you know I'm a big muso as well so it was great hearing all this music that I hadn't heard before but these weird indie bands and weird little electronic bands and stuff and seeing these mind-blowing videos that I'd never you know that you would not see on TV maybe MTV2 in the middle of the night but even then probably not and uh, so seeing them on the big screen uh, one after another it was I mean Antenna they used to really ram them in so you'd see about 25 videos in one night it was kind of exhausting and when they finished uh, doing their wonderful show a guy called David Knight and Phil Tidy another guy and various other folks picked up the baton and uh, invited me to, to host and to, to, to make it, I suppose, a more silly version of Antenna. <laughs> uh, whereas Antenna was pretty hardcore and there was a lot of industry professionals would come along. Bug was always supposed to be, I suppose, a more Ellie version of that, you know, light entertainment-y with my uh, stupid contributions between the videos. You know, still really good videos chosen by David Knight and Phil Tidy. Mm. But uh, yeah, I would I would kind of add a more humorous and element I suppose and I've been down to quite a few of them at the BFI and uh, I think the highlight has to be the, the insane YouTube comments that you managed to dredge up off the internet yeah yeah well that would be, that sort of became a feature because originally I was pleased to do the job because it didn't take too much preparation on my part I could just turn up and read from the script and say oh, that was the new Michelle Gondry video and, and here's the new Spike Jones and blah 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 I didn't say it exactly like that um <laughs> But uh, after a while, I just felt, you know, I, I would prepare for the shows by watching them on uh, the videos on YouTube and sort of note down any things that I thought would be worth saying to the audience about them. And then um, in the course of doing that, suddenly strayed into the comments section. YouTube was still only a few years old at that point. And I don't, th it never even occurred to me to read the comments. I just thought, why would you? Why on earth would you care what someone had to say about this Polly Harvey video? Uh, you can make up your own mind, you know. But then I, I just started reading them and it was really enjoyable just to see these <laughs> sometimes interesting and sometimes wrong-headed. But the thing that, that really made me chuckle and got me engaged was the conversations that started mm. appearing. You know, there was lots of funny one-off comments, but I really like it when people start talking to each other. More often than not, they wind each other up. And then you have the added layer of complication that some people go in there specifically to do that, yeah. trolls or flamers or whatever you want to call them. And they will go in there and, they, 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 you know, they'll post under a Muse video or something and say, Muse are the worst, lamest band in the world. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, you know, most people nowadays, they understand that that's just someone having a dig and they'll say, don't feed the troll. But then there'll be a large proportion of very upset Muse fans who'll say, that's not true. Muse are jolly good. You're awful. I hate you. I went to your channel and I can tell that you're worthless and need to be killed. <laughs> uh, they'll, they'll maybe chuck in a few um, racial epithets as well while they're saying that and uh, some swearing. And so you get these, uh, you know, grime videos, not Grimes, the lovely lady synth artist, <laughs> but grime like Wiley, mm -hmm. um, people like that. And now dubstep as well. Although the dubstep comments tend to be very technical. 
um, but but grime I've noticed like Wiley people really sound off and chasing status and things like that they just get into th- it's it's as if they've been up all night drinking and <laughs> snorting various um, types of oven cleaner and then they <laughs> then they get online and they just go nuts at each other <laughs> so I'm always excited when there's a new uh, grime based is grime even a, a genre that's current anymore is it turned into dubstep or what you're, you're asking movie journalists and we're just going <laughs> to nod and smile I don't know yeah, you're, quite, you're quite hip and with it Ali yeah I, 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 up I wear skinny jeans sometimes and uh, <laughs> have really big headphones yeah I know that uh, Dizzy Rascal is still referred to as the godfather of grime or at least he was at the opening ceremony at <laughs> the Olympics <laughs> that made it official I yeah. think I should ask uh, this question uh, as a diehard I'm a Joe fan uh, I've asked it to you before but I've no I'm going to ask you again. Go on. What today are your faves? <laughs> faves. Besties, worsties, Jedward. Besties, I would say Macadamia Nut, Brittle, Hagendars. Something I've not had for a while, but I used to be able to consume a tub in one evening. <laughs> very, very happily. Um, worsties, I don't like. There's a guy on uh, Platform 9 at Liverpool Street Station. <laughs> who hates me and as soon as he sees me coming down like he's a guard or whatever and he just wants to do everything he can to disrupt my day and and tell me I can't put my bike on the train or just tell me I'm too late to put my bike on the train that's one that he does now <laughs> oh no no uh, I, the train's not going for three minutes yeah but you need to get your bike on before the uh, you know 27 minutes past like, it's just literally gone 27 <laughs> minutes past are you joking <laughs> nah that's the rules mate tough luck you know oh god I He's he's my worst. Well, everyone has a nemesis. You have yeah. found yours. He is awful. I mean, I hate. If you're listening, I hate you. You beardy, unpleasant, stupid old toilet man. Uh, he knows. He knows who he is. I'm going to get you one day. You stupid old git. Um. So he's the worst. Why does he hate you? Because ah, I'm sort of irritating and smug looking, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it was my pleasure as part of research for this interview to rewatch Stardust. Oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and see you with an axe in your head. Yeah. Do you have fond memories from that set? Because that was an extraordinary cast. It was an extraordinary cast. Well, my, my experience of that was being called in last minute because Noel Fielding got shingles and couldn't do the part that I was supposed to do. So Jane Goldman, who was the co-screenwriter, that was her first screenwriting job, I think, with Matthew Vaughan. Um, She was someone I'd met before and was nice enough to uh, call me in to talk to Matthew. And I was given the part, which was great. It was very exciting. Two weeks on a green screen stage in Pinewood, I think. Is that where the Bond stages are? That's correct. Yeah. yeah. That's all. Um, so I remember turning up there and they were all burnt out uh, um, when, when we showed up to do... Um, I think the fire had just happened at, at Pinewood then. Anyway, so yeah, amazingly exciting. And um, and there's Mark Strong I did my scenes with and Rupert Everett. Um, I mean, they're pretty heavyweight actors. Uh, Mark Heap, who I'd met before, who's lovely from Spaced and many other wonderful comedy shows. Um... Uh, what's his name from Lockstock Uh, Fleming Jason Fleming Jason yeah lovely Jason Fleming he was in there and uh, so it was yeah it was pretty exciting as well as you know just just being in a big film and 
not really knowing what was going on. And, <laughs> and uh, I didn't really have to do much at all. I just had to wander around. Although, I, yeah, I had an axe in my head. You did. But the, but the handle of the axe was real. It was like it was real heavy wood. So the side of the axe thing would dig into my temples really painfully. And so I'd have to go around and support the weight of this axe for ages and ages, looking weird. Before I plucked up the courage in the in the second week to just say to one of the props guys, "Is there any way you can like put a less heavy handle on this thing?" Oh yeah, sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> the end of that. And then the other memory I have, apart from Rupert Everett just being very rude most of the time, I think mainly because he was. There was a lot of makeup for our characters. We were playing ghosts who'd yeah. all died in various hideous ways. And I got off lightly with the axe. All I needed to have was a, a beard put on and that was it and, and a wig. So I was only in the makeup chair. This was um, before I had my luxuriant beard. Um, I was only in the makeup chair for an hour or something every morning. But, um, oh yeah, Julian Ryan Tuck was the other one. He, he, he was supposedly a guy that had drowned in a lake, in a frozen lake or something. So his face was covered in these icicles and he and Rupert Everett whose face was all squashed because he'd mm. fallen off a tower or something and his face was all mashed they were in makeup for about four hours maybe and Julian Reintup maybe five hours every morning so their call times were that much earlier and they were uncomfortable the entire day and then they had that entire makeup regimen again in the evening so they got home much later than everyone else so they were justifiably absolutely <laughs> miserable for a lot of the time and uh, Julian Reintup was totally cool about it and just you know went in the zone and sort of shut down Rupert Everett just moaned and moaned I mean I would too I guess <laughs> if I was him but god almighty he was furious the whole time One, t I remember one time me and Dave Williams had to improvise oh yeah Dave Williams was one of the other ghosts we had to sort of improvise a scene because, you know, they thought, all right, we filmed it as it's written. Let's just try. Can you guys come up with any other little bits? So we were just, you know, coming up with fairly ropey lines <laughs> just off the top of our heads. And after a while, Rupert Everett just sort of huffed very loudly and went, oh, it's like play school. Is <laughs> that the best you can come up with? And uh, I was really intimidated by it. Oh, man, it was terrifying. And, and Dave Williams was like, God, that guy is a dick a week later they were best buddies <laughs> they were exchanging phone numbers and hanging out at each other's parties but uh, the party invitations uh, are still not forthcoming for Dr Buckles from, oh, from Mr Everett I believe one of the dwarves in The Hobbit has an axe buried in his head so you're Does kind he? of blazing the trail for yeah bruv I mean I, you know my I, I, I did three movie parts in one year and then for whatever reason, the phone has not rung again since. But in all those um, movie parts, I died or was very badly injured in the head. <laughs> I was in Son of Rambo and I got some, <laughs> I got some uh, tweezers stuck up my nose yeah. and uh, yeah, axe in the head in um, Stardust and then of course in, in uh, Hot Fuzz. Death mm. by Steeple. Death by Church, yeah. Which is amazing. <laughs> it's one of my very favourite I was so... Parts excited that Edgar gave me that part it was wonderful I just thought oh yeah I don't have to do anything I can be as rub rubbish as possible and it, it doesn't matter because I've got this wonderful death did he write it for you did he say I really want to kill Adam so let's give him that part no I think I, I, I auditioned originally for Kevin Eldon's part as one of the uh, one of the policemen um, but uh, yeah but eventually went with Tim Messenger I, I think 
because I just got a you know I've got a killable sort of head. <laughs> People maybe fantasize about what it would be like to explode my big furry face. <laughs> is that good? The guy uh, on Platform Nine at Liverpool. Yeah, Street I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> Hot Fuzz is probably one of his favorite films. <laughs> just replays that over and over again. What are your memories of making that that, that scene, the death scene? Because- uh, well, that was just two another wonderful two weeks in in Wells, Edgar Wright's hometown, very close to Glastonbury. Whenever the BBC covers Glastonbury, they put up most of the um, staffers in a hotel in Wells, and so I'd been there before, and it was nice coming back. And uh, it's a really lovely, beautiful village very friendly people and then we were there with this extraordinary cast that Edgar had assembled you know on the one hand all the young guard uh, Paddy Considine and all the all the comedy people um, Kevin and, and Olivia Coleman and people mm-hmm. like that you know and then then there was the old school guys it was Edward Woodward and Paul Freeman and and, uh, and um I wanted to say Bronholm, but it's not Bronholm. It's, it's Tim uh, Dalton. Tim Dalton, yeah. Oh, he God, was, can you imagine if it was Bronholm? Uh, oh man, that would be amazing. Dalton was quite intimidating, like the the because he because he was sort of in the middle, you know. That, that there was the real oldsters, who were all very sweet and and nice. <laughs> but then Dalton was sort of in the middle and, and seemed to me a little suspicious of the whole. Like, is this a good thing for me to be doing? Should I fire my agent? Yeah, his moustache. He didn't realise then, because it was only Edgar's second film, wasn't it? So he didn't realise the power of uh, the Edgar Wright machine then. Mm. But uh, he was a little bit scary and very very firm and sort of strident, and you couldn't quite tell if he was joking or not. And uh, I remember at one point I sort of... I was taking pictures of someone, and I think I I, I sort of got in his eye line or whatever, and he got pretty angry with me. And and, uh, (laughs) he he came over and he sort of said, if you point that thing at me again, I'm going to kill you, young man. And he smacked me really hard on the back. I was like, wow. And then I had a scene with him where where he was supposed to slap me on the back, right? And after the, the precedent was set, every time we did the scene, he would smash me on the back, like really hard. And in the scene, I'm supposed to be sort of taken aback by how hard he hits me. So I'm not really acting, you know. <laughs> but I was just shocked. And Edgar sort of said, is he hitting you really hard? <laughs> On the I was like, yes, he's just hitting me. He said, it looks good, though. It looks really good. But I was sort of... At one point, I was, you know, I was on the verge of saying, "Listen, Mr. Dalton, Mr. Bonser, is there any way that you could <laughs> not hit me quite so hard? Because <laughs> it really hurts." I'd take off those knuckle dusters. Yeah, <laughs> but you've met another Bond as well, haven't you? You've uh, encountered Sir Roger Moore. Sure, Sir Roger came into our Six Music Show when me and Joe were at the BBC, and. Um, that was, I think, more intimidating for Joe than it was for me. And Joe just froze up completely. Like having, <laughs> he's quite a cocky man, Joe. Um, <laughs> but only when we're left to our own devices. And as soon as he was confronted with the reality of um, Sir Roger, you know, I mean, our generation's favourite Bond, I dare say. Uh, when I say our generation, I, I grew up in the 80s. And uh, I unironically loved Sir Roger as Bond. I thought he was funny and cool and just, you know, went for it all. And I didn't understand. I I, I thought um, Sean Connery was way too boring and serious. It turned out I was right about that, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I thought Roger was was way the better man. And, I, you know, I've never met Sean Connery, but I've seen interviews where he seems a little um, prickly. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Sir Roger Moore 
you would think would have the capacity to be a bit of a, a curmudgeon too and, and maybe slightly bored with the uh, same questions. But man, he is one of the most charming men I've ever come across. He was lovely and he put us at ease and was pleased to do our bidding, any stupid request that we had. He was really nice with Joe and Joe had a massive mental breakdown on the show and was unable to speak and almost started crying. Um, <laughs> Sound of a good interview. Yeah, it was great, man. It was lovely meeting him. And you're, you're a huge uh, David Bowie. Both of you are, are into Bowie, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Are we talking about Bowie? Just this morning, me, me and a friend, um, because... I just everything about him I love and I love the fact that he seems to have retired now mm -hmm. unofficially that's it he's drawn a line under the public part of his uh, performing career I don't know if he still does little concerts for Iman and stuff and his buddies <laughs> you would like to think so I mean I wonder if he does I wonder if he picks up the guitar at a friend's house on, you know when everyone's singing songs or whatever uh but um, I, I massively respect the fact that he has just said, you know, I'm I'm probably too old now to to carry on doing this. Jareth yeah. makes an appearance within Bug, yeah, uh, which I very very much enjoy. Did you have to get clearance for that? Did you have to double check with uh, David's people? So I don't think you have to check with the Bowie estate. You just have to clear the <laughs> photograph. Otherwise, I mean, I would love to. I mean, every opportunity I can. Obviously, I'm trying to wheedle my way into uh, the world of Bowie. But I think I've probably missed the boat now because. I d as, as far as I'm aware, he doesn't really do interviews much. Maybe he's. I think the only way he will be interviewed now is just audio only. Mm. And um, I don't think he'll do TV appearances. And I certainly don't think he's planning on gigging too much. But maybe, you know, everyone everyone ch 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 changes. So <laughs> that was rubbish, wasn't it? So maybe maybe later in his life he'll have a change of heart and he will. Um, reinvent himself as a sort of oldster crooner guy um, I, whatever he turns his hand to I've got time for you know and what about yourself Adam what's next for you um, I, I'm also going to do that yeah. I'm also <laughs> going to be I'm going to uh, retire next year and then wait until I'm about 70 and then just be a, a really kind of mediocre old uh, crooner no I <laughs> I hope we're going to do more bug on uh, Sky um, that's been going because we're six episodes in now to this We've got two left is that, is that correct I think as we're, as I'm speaking to you there's only one more only one more yeah to go out um, so yeah our series of eight is now pretty much done and I think it's gone well I, I you know we were on during the Olympics so um Plus, Sky's ratings. Yeah, it's a. It's a, obviously it's a subscription-only channel, so mm. they have different kind of ratings than you would have on terrestrial TV. But uh, they seem sufficiently happy with it, and um, uh, I. I mean, I'm really happy with it. I really like it, and I can usually. I. You know, I feel like I've got a fairly good sense of when I've done something that isn't absolutely execrable. <laughs> um, I've done a few things in my life that have been and I've sort of known and I've understood when they have <laughs> quietly died but uh, I'd be really sad if this one didn't go further I, you know it looks as if it might Joe has obviously tried his hand at the whole filmmaking thing yeah apparently so well yeah him. yeah. some are people you, uh, tell me that it's going well <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, tempted to give that a go and sure I mean well? you know Joe and I were bonded by our love of film and our desire to make films when we first met, you know, Joe went to film school and took it seriously. I went to art school and took being, I don't know, whatever I was seriously, <laughs> a Wally, <laughs> art Wally. But uh, yeah, I, it's still, you know, a medium that I absolutely love and would 
would love to uh, take more seriously and have a go at or take less seriously and have a go at <laughs> or whatever you know I guess I'd love to yeah I, I, you know I've always made short videos of various kinds and I certainly would like to do something more substantial like that you know like a short film or something personally I'd love to see a um, you know shot for shot recreation of Snatch a la Adam and Joe show we were watching <laughs> that in the office just a few weeks ago uh, and very very much enjoying it like a toy version yeah of course yeah 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 I mean, you know I did think at one point I was when I didn't have much on I was thinking and I still might do this I wanted to make like a made up bio, uh, um, biopic um, of some of my favourite bands like a, the, a made up biopic of Talking Heads so take all the facts that I know about Talking Heads right and that I've read and gleaned and, th and not do any research whatsoever. <laughs> Just write a script from what I know at this point and include any misconceptions and then embellishments that I... <laughs> and then just make up stuff as well. And um, do it with toys so that it's doable. <laughs> uh, because otherwise, you know, it's going to be hard to get all, like, people and stuff <laughs> and crews. But the nice thing, you know, the reason that Joe and I did the toy things in, in the first place was that it was doable and and we could have fun making films in our own little way on a on a small scale and uh take as much time as we could to make them look nice and and make them as sort of cinematic as we could <laughs> albeit with toys and uh, on a small scale but it is a really enjoyable thing to do and I do miss doing those things and so um you know yeah if 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 the phone stops ringing completely i might end up just doing that <laughs> have you kept all those toys uh, they locked away somewhere yeah well, sure joe's got joe's got a lot of his you know because we ended up um ended up kind of doing a lot of the toy movies separately so joe's were the really good ones mine were the slightly obscure weird ones and <laughs> um so joe's got yeah he's got a lot of the cast of Titanic on his <laughs> shelf I've got a lot of um, various Ali McBeal <laughs> McSqueal characters please. McSqueal and I've got um, yeah the Snatch uh, puppets and um, and the guy from Shine Shiny um, yeah so basically yes is the answer <laughs> I've still got everything I don't really throw things away <laughs> And the last question would be about acting, because you, you said there the phone stopped ringing in two, yeah. 2007. Surely it's, it's going to start ringing again. I mean, it, uh, you know, I get offered, but I get offered weird things. Like, I got I got called in for an audition for, like, a really serious cop drama the other day, like an ITV drama, mm -hmm. with this, uh, this hard-bitten cop who's an ex-alcoholic and his wife's left him and... I Please thought, do it. Thought, why have you got me in for this? I really want to see Detective Buckley's would make my year. <laughs> I mean, I suppose maybe the casting agent was being creative and she did get quite angry with me when I when I said, you know, why did you get me in for this? Um, she said, if you don't want to do it, then don't show up. I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the fact is, what it comes down to is that I'm not formally trained. So my I don't have like the widest range of acting skills and I can't do a lot of things that professionally trained actors can but I do feel as if I have got some uh, tools in my toolbox and uh, I do really enjoy doing it so I think what it comes down to is I just need to write something for myself and do it that way you know because the stuff I the stuff I get offered I just I always feel like either I'm not right for it or I just wouldn't want to do it because it just seems like rubbish and in the olden days I would have said yes anyway and got into a few scrapes because of that <laughs> but now I'm being uh, you know I'm trying to uh, trying to be a little more 
discerning <laughs> with the with the two offers I get every year. <laughs> but now it's bug tonight. Yeah. And then doing battle with the guy on platform nine again, is that Yep. Uh yeah, back on the back on the um train tomorrow. And he's not always there. He tends to be there at weekends, so I dread weekends. <laughs> Um, but tomorrow I might I might escape. Most of the people on the East Anglian line are very nice, and there's one or two of them who I think have seen Bug and they're smiley. And but there's this one guy. Jeez, <laughs> you know I'm gonna get you. <laughs> we'll get him take it down. Don't worry. Don't worry. He's, he looks very unhealthy. I think I'm sure he's gonna die soon. It's <laughs> probably always on YouTube. <laughs> Terrible comments. On that happy note, I think it's time to say thanks to Adam Buxton. Uh, it's been a pleasure hey thanks a lot for having me and if you are listening beardy guy listen I'm just being silly let's hug I'll buy you some sushi and as long as you let me with my bike on the train we're not going to have a problem from now on okay I love you I love you I really do not you prick I want you to die (laughs) I'm joking or am I (laughs) 